0: Welcome memories you've got a friend in us this is
1: episode 35 the lady killers from 2004 i'm mike manzi and i'm joey lewandowski and mike before i introduce our two guests i feel like i've been so worried about this movie for so long and then after i watched it i was like oh wait maybe i don't like the intolerable cruelty maybe that's the one from around this time that i don't like because you know i don't love this movie but maybe also it could have been that i was so worried to watch this that i didn't hate it i mean i liked it it's not like i'm trying to like oversell it undersell it whatever but like Mm -hmm. maybe I was just so worried about the fact that we were going to watch this movie that I wound up liking it. We'll get into it.
0: I feel kind of similar real quickly. This was the last Coen Brothers movie I needed to see. I'd never even seen this movie. And I agree. Like, thinking about it since I've rated it last night, it's, you know, kind of not as bad as I
1: was expecting. <laughs> so, The Lady Killers, not that bad. Nice full quote. <laughs> just like, last intention to Christ. Better than the Bible, says Brian Rodriguez. <laughs> the laugh you heard just right there is Mike's horror consultant on the third time the charm podcast he's also one of our social media people on the cage club podcast network we have with us dan cologne hello dan
2: hello guys thanks for having me
1: welcome back to the show you've been on a hanks of the memories before correct
2: i've done some cruise with you guys well the green mile i did the green mile yep not even that long ago that
1: was pre-coronavirus time, so I mean, that's a whole other world.
2: Yeah, and I, I've been doing more podcasts lately, so they're all kind of blending together in my mind.
1: I get you, I get you. Well, nice transition there. Another one of my podcast co-hosts, although on a uh, in-hiatus podcast, one that ran, I think, all of uh, 10 or 11 episodes, from the fabled Tub Talk podcast, new guest to the TomTom Tom Club, we have Bob Fisher. Hello, Bob.
3: Hey, how's it going?
1: Hi, Bob. Thank you for joining us on this episode.
3: Uh, my pleasure.
1: This was a kind of a last-minute sort of addition here. So before we get into this movie, before Mike gives us a plot summary, where do you fall on Tom Hanks' spectrum? Do you like him as an actor? Do you love him as an actor? Are you sort of indifferent to him? And do you have a favorite Tom Hanks movie or a few?
3: Yeah, I, I think Tom Hanks is great. There are a number of his movies that I like, a number that I don't really care for. I think I skew toward earlier, funnier Hanks. Okay. My favorite's probably The Burbs. Okay. I love the Joe Dante movies and... and uh this sort of hitchcockian feel to that one i also really like the money pit a lot and then when it gets more serious i start enjoying him less i think uh, i could do without your philadelphias
1: your forest scump
3: I uh, yeah i detest forest I, <laughs> I, think, I think it's uh, like a, a movie that's harmful to society in a lot of ways
1: we're in good <laughs> company nice <now. laughs> Well, I think what's nice about this one, and I don't want to, you know, jump too far ahead in terms of my favorite things, but this is like a return to Hanks that we haven't really seen in a while. Like, I think the last couple episodes, he's been doing some weird different things that he hasn't done in a while, like Road to Perdition. He's been, he was playing the heavy and like he's done other things recently that are either new or new recently for him. And it's nice to see him be a little weirder, like in a way that he hasn't been in a long, long time. Yeah, I think the last movie we did, Joey, Catch Me If You Can,
0: was a little hint at what this was going to be for me, because he did like a bit of a voice and gotten into more of like a cartoony kind of character in that movie, I feel. And here he's just gone full tilt, like he's playing dress up and he's
1: off to the races. So now, Mike, if. People listening have not seen this movie. And as of right now, as of the time we're recording it, it is available to stream on HBO Go. So if you want to watch it and you have not seen it, you can watch it on HBO Go or any of those platforms. Uh, can you please give us a quick plot summary of what The Lady Killers, the remake, is all about? Hanks plays
0: Professor Goldthwaite Higginson-Dore, Dor, is a uh, P.F. Tompkins' character, if I've ever seen one. So he rents a room at this old lady's house and him and his cohorts use the basement to practice their music. They are a band, and what they are actually doing is they're gonna tunnel from her basement into the cash room of a riverboat casino where it offloads all of its funds, and it's Hanks and his little motley crew his sort of he's got the inside man played by Marlon Wayans he's got like a, a football playing heavy idiot he's got an explosive expert he's got the digging expert and what ends up happening is like they they succeed like throughout all their idiocy and their stupidity they actually manage to rob this casino and get the money back to their house but that's when the real trouble begins and the old lady who owns the house sort of starts catching on to what they're up to there's some sort of double dealing and backstabbing that happens The old lady finds out what actually went down because Hanks tells her, and then they decide that they need to kill her, hence the title of the movie, The Lady Killers. And sort of the last half hour becomes them trying to kill this old lady, but ending up dying themselves through all these sort of accidents and mishaps, and whether it be killing each other by accident or on purpose or falling down the stairs, All kinds of incidences. And and everybody, including Hanks, ends up dead on a garbage barge by the end of this movie. And the old lady gets all the money and donates it to the city college, I believe. And that's how it ends. That's how the Lady Killers ends. Everybody's dead. The old lady gets the money and she donates
1: it to the college. As Hanks opines, the old woman is a more formidable antagonist than one had imagined. Even though she's not doing anything. She's just there. Like, they're all just killing themselves, but she's just there. So now, before we get into our favorite what is everybody's history with this? Mike, you've never seen this before. Correct. I saw this once like 10 or 12 years ago, probably sometime in college and not since then. Bob, is this a movie I know that I think you went through a Coen Brothers thing a couple years ago, or maybe I'm mixing that up. But where have you seen this movie a bunch? And like, I know you like them sort of as a whole.
3: I saw it about two months ago, and then uh, I rewatched it today.
1: And is this one like in terms of where their filmography is this rank in the middle and the bottom and the top?
3: I think this is the worst Coen Brothers movie.
1: Oh, really? But you, I mean, not to, to spoil things, but it looks like on, on Letterboxd, you give it a pretty decent score.
3: What is that, three stars?
1: Yeah, something like that.
3: Yeah. The worst Coen Brothers movie is still a Coen Brothers movie. So um, I will say that I liked it less the second time that I watched it than the first time.
1: Okay, that's fair. And th- had you seen it before two months ago, or was two months ago the first time?
2: Two months ago was the first time that okay. I saw it. And Dan, what about you? What's your history with this? So, I mean, like a lot of film students, I also went through a Coen Brothers phase. And I think even to this day, the Coen Brothers might be my favorite filmmakers. I've, of course, seen all of them up to this point. But I hadn't seen this one in a while. And, I mean, for good reason. I think uh, I agree with Bob. I think this is the worst Coen Brothers film. Uh, I remember liking Intolerable Cruelty more than this. And those two tend to be on the bottom of most people's lists. And I think it's true. This this one is not as smart as uh, a lot of the rest of But still, at the end of the day, it is a Coen Brothers film, so there's a lot of stuff in it that I do really like. But yeah, definitely the worst one.
1: I guess I've seen them all too. I mean, I guess that's not really a surprise. But I'm looking at Letterbox right now. I guess I've seen them all. So I, who knows? News to me. But okay. So I think we're all. I mean, and Mike, I guess where does it fall for you? As this, do you think this is one their worst or one of their worst too? But I mean, again, is this a Fast and Furious situation where like even a bad Fast and Furious movie is still a good movie?
0: I think it is. I, I sort of just stayed away from this one because of its reputation. And you know, I got to stop doing that with movies. <laughs> like I just got to make up my own mind at that point. But you know, Intolerable Cruelty, I've only seen once. I have a feeling if I rewatch it, I'll like it more. Hail Caesar was at the very bottom of my list for a long time and then I rewatched it and I was like this movie's kind of great so it's weird I love the Coen brothers I'm always willing to give them a second chance so while right now this sort of is sort of at the bottom level for me it is very much you know like Fast and Furious situation or
1: you know where like even the worst is still really good because there's a lot of things to like here I think this is a very weird movie before we get into what we like don't like or what we would fix or change or whatever favorite moments Mike this is the first time you've seen this what is your favorite part favorite moments in the Lady Killers that's a hard one I
0: think maybe J.K. Simmons everything he's kind of doing here. He feels like he's in the right movie. You know, I kind of have a lot of, not grievances with this, but I think there's just, there are a lot of problems with this movie I'll get into. As far as like things I really like, I generally like this premise though. Like I've seen this a lot in other movies. Dare I say, you know, Woody Allen did a really great version of this kind of story where they rob a bank and open up a cookie store next door and tunnel through. And the cookie store actually ends up giving them more profit than the bank robbery. And they end up being millionaires because of that. Like I just really like this whole concept of sort of like sneaking around and tunneling
1: through stuff into like it's almost like a very low rent oceans kind of movie. I was thinking it's kind of like a Soderbergh thing especially like a Logan lucky or in oceans or anything like that
0: yeah so I think just by virtue of it being a heist film and I wasn't really prepared for that because I didn't never saw the original and I don't know anything about this movie except it looked really kind of wacky like I really was able to sort of grab onto that throughout the whole
1: movie being like all right well like at least I like the genre if I don't like sort of some of the other stuff happening and Bob, what about you? I, I know this is maybe your least favorite Coen Brothers movie, but what about this do you love? Your favorite parts, moments, characters, scenes, any of that?
3: I also really like the Dumb Ocean's Eleven stuff. I think everything leading up to the heist is really great. And I think it highlights um, this thing that the Coen Brothers do that that's that's really good where, spoiler alert for every single Coen Brothers movie, but nobody ever gets the money at the end of any of their movies. Every, every one of their heists, the money goes to someone that's not that it's not supposed to go to.
1: Is that true? Yeah. Wow. I guess I never realized the, the depth of that. Okay. They even return Nathan Jr. at the end of that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's like, even though it is like a Dumb Ocean's Eleven, uh, there's still like a weird Coen Brothers religious morality to it where the bad guys get their comeuppance and, and the pious person is victorious. I think that's an interesting
1: point. And I think that this movie, I was trying to figure out, because this movie very much feels like in a lot of different ways, kind of two clashing like ideologies or two different movies clashing together. Like there's like the upstanding Christian values versus like maybe Tom Hanks as the devil almost. Like he's got the devil facial features facial hair right and then there's like old school versus new school and there's like there's a lot of weird things and i feel like it's almost maybe too much in here but i mean i guess i guess at the end of the day it is kind of just good versus bad and in the end good prevails because bad is dumb (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I got that too. I felt like there was some kind of, I mean, I get more into it when we talk about what wasn't really working for us, but I also feel like there were things introduced that weren't fully
1: explored that definitely would have helped thematically and otherwise, for sure. Dan, what about you? What do you love about this movie? Favorite parts or moments or characters or any of that?
2: I think my favorite thing about this movie, the reason to watch it, in my opinion, is, uh, is Hanks. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on Hanks for the memories, but in so many movies, as much as I really do love of Tom Hanks you know I can see Tom Hanks as the actor within the movie I can't think of a, another movie off the top of my head where he is like a chameleon the way he is in this movie Like, if I didn't know it was Tom Hanks, I might not initially know. You know what I mean? He's so inside this character with the facial hair and the wardrobe and the accent and the teeth that he's wearing. You know, like, they're they're almost trying to deceive you in that way, that this isn't really Tom Hanks, this is somebody else. I think the performance he gives in this is just so damn good, and it's so unlike everything else he's done over the course of his career. It almost makes me sad that he's not in a better movie giving this performance. But uh, he's... For sure, the high watermark for me in this movie. If I had to pick one thing, he's it. I
0: really like... The concept of his character, I think it go for me. It's just a bit much. Like I just wanted to pull it back a little. Like he talks a little too fast, he says a little too much, and he's a little too quiet. You know what I'm saying? Like he clearly seems devoted to this character, and like you say, he becomes this guy. I just wish they just. I couldn't always follow it, so I just wish they pulled back a little bit on him or the rest of the movie. Maybe it's just the rest of the movie can't keep up with him. Maybe that's it.
2: Sure, I could see your 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 point. I don't necessarily attribute those faults to Hanks though. That could be a uh you know, the Cohen brothers getting too inside their own heads with their writing. You know, he's doing uh I think he, hit, he he hits a home run with the material. Like again, I can't think of another performance he's given where he's disappeared into a character the way he has here.
3: I also think that he's kind of he's doing this like really complex thing where he is playing a fraud, right? Like the guy is supposed to be smart, but he's not really smart and he he's like like wearing a costume. It's like, is that really who that character is? So his cartoonishness is like another layer of him of not, of not Hanks performing, but his character performing. And so for like, I think Hanks to be juggling all that stuff is, uh, there's a lot there. Cause this character is really actually like stupid. He advertises for the criminals in, in a newspaper. right? <laughs> where he has all of the pretenses of his PhD and he has arguably good vocabulary. He has all of the hallmarks of of someone who's like not actually a smart guy, right? So I think for Hanks to like pull that off is is really impressive to me because he's doing this like Looney Tunes thing where he's like very foghorn, leghorn. It works for the movie in a way that it probably wouldn't in another movie.
1: I agree with Dan in that my favorite part of this movie is Hanks. And I think that it's the first time in a long time that my favorite part of a Hanks movie is Hanks. You know, I agree with you, Dan, that- I wish that he was surrounded by a better movie because I think that in a better movie, this could be even more fun. But I'm just glad to see this because I feel like for so much of this podcast recently, I've been kind of on the fence and I'm just like, like, I know that he's a good actor, but I'm kind of bored by it and whatever. And sort of, you know, to Bob's point, earlier about the kind of movies that he prefers like like a lot of what we've done recently i keep saying it mike cause like it's been good but it's not like interesting because it's like yeah of course it's going to be good
0: yeah like he's good but he's not really elevating the like the movie's right. good anyway and yeah and like his he's not bringing more into it but like here yeah i feel like he's keeping me interested and you know whatever like maybe they should have made a colonel sanders movie i don't know yeah i, I like
1: it more than i don't that's for sure To Bob's point here, I think what's the most interesting thing or one of the most interesting things about his character here is that I think he is smart, but his biggest flaw is that he thinks he's a lot smarter than he actually is. He does dumb things and he's not necessarily fully a smart person, but I think that he's just smart enough to be dangerous. But like not dangerous to everybody else, although true, mostly dangerous to himself. He's not perceptive of the world around him, and like if at the end he had just like gone to church, like I just there's little things that like it's you can see the inherent flaws and drawbacks in his character from start to finish. And I think that the way that he's able to play this act, like like Dan, like what you were saying about how he's an actor in the role, like I think it's a really interesting thing and a more kind of complex and nuanced performance from him than we've seen in a while which is weird considering like this movie is not complex or nuanced like catch me if you can is like so elaborate <laughs> compared to this yeah. and, like there he's just playing like he's I mean great in that movie that movie is great but like he's playing just like you know exactly what he is you know exactly who he is here it's like he's adding all this dimensionality to a character in a movie that's just like oh yeah it's just a bunch of dumb guys failing to get rich quick
3: I think part of what you're saying goes back to actually something that you said a lot earlier which is like about good uh, defeating evil because evil is stupid the danger of hanks's character and all the other characters too is that they're dangerous to themselves right they're yeah, not actually yeah. dangerous to the woman that they're that they're trying to attack they end up losing because they're bad but specifically because bad is is not a danger to good bad is always a danger to bad right Irma, i forget the name of, of her character's name but she's not actually a danger to anybody she's morally righteous and her moral righteousness was res- not only results in her getting the money but like she tries to get everyone else to go to church right so she's yeah. like she's like the good in there she's also great i i I don't want to miss her performance in this. I think she performs really, really well.
1: And I think that she's so good that at one point I'm like, is the moral of this movie like just be nice to old ladies? Like she's so like compelling in like what she's doing. That's just like, oh, wait a minute. Like maybe just like respect old ladies. Like is that what is that the message here? It might might be.
3: (laughs) She has outdated views on rap music, though. She does.
2: You know, watching this movie, you know, one of my favorite things about the Coen brothers is that when they make the decision to cast an A list Hollywood actor in one of their movies, like George Clooney has done four movies with them now, but, you know, he had a first movie with them and that was huge. And then Brad Pitt came in and he's done, he's only done the one, but like I love when they bring in these A list actors and make them play wildly against type. It almost always works. You know, they've done four movies with Clooney. It makes me wish that they would do more with Hanks because he's clearly so good good in this you know it makes me a little bit sad
0: (laughs) I thought thought about that too sort of their one timers right and I wonder if they just kind of get exhausted or give it their all or you know like because it feels like Hank's left like everything out there right and you know that Brad Pitt performance in that in that movie is like it's very sort of uh, high energy right and so I don't know it's it's interesting I wonder if they're almost like content with it being a one and done kind of thing but I'm with you I wish there were more
1: I mean, part of the other thing is that, like, we have to look down the road at the movies that Hanks is doing over the next 15 years between this point and now. And, like, it's not all serious stuff. Like, he's doing some kind of schlocky mainstream, like, angels and demons and things like that. Not schlocky, but, like, you know, not necessarily serious. <laughs> I think it'll be mainstream schlock once we get there. Yes. But, I mean, like, a lot of this, like, like he's going to deviate and he's going to stray from comedy in a big way soon. And like, I feel like even when the Coen brothers make a serious movie, it's still not in the wheelhouse of like what he seems interested in playing now. It seems like this is kind of like the perfect storm in a way where the two of their interests coalesced in a way that it hasn't again since then.
3: I think that he's a lot more sentimental than they are. I think that's fair to say his movies tend to play to an emotion that I don't think that the Coen brothers often go to I wouldn't call them emotional filmmakers
0: I, I almost wonder maybe if that's anything to do with it being a
1: remake of this particular film with like you know I don't I've never seen the original and neither had Hank just real quick he did not watch the original he didn't want to spoil his uh, performance based on like however the original was played
0: well there goes my theory of like maybe he was such a big fan of that movie that he sort of lobbied to be here and get the role and everything because sometimes that happens you know and sometimes it works and sometimes
1: it doesn't
3: the original is a great movie alec guinness
1: is it like is it kind of screwbally or is it more serious
3: no no it's 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 a comedy
1: okay so let me let me transition into what we don't like about this by saying something that i didn't like originally but i think works better in retrospect but i also think that it's kind of a little too obvious like 16 minutes into this movie jk simmons basically not directly but indirectly kills a dog Like he's just a dumb guy which is proving they're shooting a commercial and they want to get this dog to like go to this bowl and like it's a world war one dog or whatever and the dog dies and i'm like that's like the opposite of a save the cat moment I'm just like oh this guy killed the dog and so like for from the very beginning you're not on their side and i feel like i was so not like turned off like not that i was like offended by it or anything but like i was like oh like they are they're explicitly saying already that we're not supposed to be rooting for them which i feel like in retrospect based on the conversation based on where things wind up makes sense but i also feel like it's not subtle enough like i i just feel like it's so over the top and over the edge like you could show that he's a bad guy or a dumb guy in a way that like doesn't kill a dog like it just feels like almost a, a bridge too far
0: it shows that he's too stupid to be able to pull off what he's going to do later in the movie, as far as I'm concerned, for some of the things that like they're going to rely on him for. If they knew he killed that dog in that way, I don't think that they would have as much confidence in him or anything. But but that also goes like an uh, issue I had is sort of every everybody but Hanks' introduction kind
2: of fell a little flat to me. That's chaotic. See, I didn't have the problem with J.K. Simmons killing the dog, not in the way you did. I mean, yes, it's anti-save the cat, but I don't know. I didn't get that from it. I thought it was played in a really, really darkly funny way. I have seen my fair share of movies that had actual animal cruelty in them. You know, as a horror fan, a lot of Italian horror films kind of have that in them. And I'm never a fan of that.
1: Would you say that that's intolerable cruelty?
2: I would, I would 100% say it's intolerable cruelty. I will show myself out. In this case, you know, the way the Coen Brothers played that scene, I got the humor from it. You know, obviously I know it's a movie the, the or a Coen Brothers movie, a dog is not actually being killed. So, you know, I can enjoy the, the silliness of that moment. I didn't inherently hate J.K. Simmons for it because, you know, it's ignorance, not mouse you know it's an it's an unfortunate death but again he didn't set out to kill this dog it wasn't intentional so i i found myself able to forgive that character uh, somewhat through that scene
1: bob what do you think about that scene and what do you think about jk simmons character i guess in general and do you have least favorite parts of this movie
3: well i enjoy all animal cruelty and, uh... <laughs> no i was on board i, I love jk simmons i think i think he's he's great um marlon wayne's He's the weak link in this entire movie to me. I think he is, for all of the cartoonishness that Hanks pulls off, I think Marlon Wayne's is supposed to be that level of cartoonish, the same way the General and J.K. Simmons are. But uh, there's something about, like, I think maybe Marlon Wayne's being a comedian first and like a sketch comedy performer. I think he's like, he's in white chicks mode or. Don't be a menace to South Central mode. Um, I, I don't think that he is capable of of doing the performance that he does, which ends up being borderline offensive. I think the the, the way that the way that he performs it, I don't know that I'm the person to say that necessarily. I think Marlon Wayans is is definitely a weak part of this entire movie.
1: Again, I, I'm not in the position to talk about whether it's offensive or not, but I just think that he sticks out in a way that no one else does. Like everyone is a cartoonist some to some extent, but I think that they all fit in the world. His cartoonishness like feels like it's commenting on something that like they never actually get to the point. And I also don't know that they should be commenting on it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you guys, but like, I I was surprised because, like, I like Marlon Wayne's and stuff when he's not being comedic. And so I thought they were like doing a reverse with him in this and that he wasn't going to do this type of performance with this character. And I think that leads very much into what I didn't like most about this movie is that I feel like if this just was a period piece,
1: yes, like
0: everything would be solved like almost immediately. Like that character wouldn't be, you know, like this 90s hip hop caricature all these modern references, which are very few, would be gone
1: and like everyone else would just feel so much more in place. Yeah, like everybody looks the part, everybody acts the part like it's in the 1940s, except for him. And like, that's why I think that it feels like they're using him to comment on something they're using, you know, Irma's per- character's performance or whatever to comment on like, you know, how she doesn't like hip hop. Like, I don't understand why that's all in here. It feels like it's remnants of a different version of a script or like a longer cut. I don't know what it is, but it feels like it doesn't belong and it's just its just strange.
3: I get the sense a little bit that maybe this was not originally a Coen Brothers project and they sort of jumped on it later. Well,
1: that's interesting.
3: I have not looked that up. So, uh, you know, someone feel free to correct me on that. But it feels that way to me. And, and the Coen Brothers rarely deal, if ever, with Black culture. So it might just be them approaching something from an angle that they're completely unfamiliar with. And so it's com- it's totally tone deaf
1: because i think that if they want to comment on that if they want to dabble in that world i think having irma's character like she could be the embodiment of that i think because like it's almost doing it with like a dual facing thing or whatever right like she's kind of representing the old school version of that culture and marlo mains is like the new school version of that culture and they're clashing and hanks is clashing with each of them but it feels like that like the three sides of this triangle or whatever never actually come together in any kind of meaningful way like it seems like they should all somehow or other unite or fall apart or break apart or conflict with one another and like they don't all get together in any way. It just feels like a lot of like intermittent conflicts without any kind of greater purpose or meaning.
3: Yeah, I cuss on that.
1: I also didn't like J.K. Simmons' IBS. Like I just don't like shit jokes really. Like I didn't think that. I think he played it well, but I don't, you know, that's not exactly what I'm uh what I'm here for. I'm not, I'm not into that. So just wanted to point that out. I do think that the guy who plays the general, who's basically in everything, like I was looking at IMDB, like he's been in like so many things. He's the general in, in Arrival. So he's made me cry before which i did not realize oh he's the guy oh yeah he's he's the guy yeah with the phone number nice yeah he's like he's all over the place like he's been in like 130 things i think the guy who plays the football player is like really good he's still acting in all sorts of stuff
3: oh, he's he's opie from sons of anarchy
1: yeah he was like that's yeah that's exactly what i was about to say and he's been in like other series like a lot like he's really good like i think that everybody here is really good i think that's what makes the stuff that i don't like the stuff that just feels like a remnant or a relic or just like a beginning an entry point into a discussion or a topic or a theme like they didn't actually get to like feel more jarring.
0: It's rough for me because like, well, I was feeling there's like a disconnected, I was feeling sort of like there's a choppiness to this and you know, it just doesn't flow for me right. And I was like, all of that, would have been fine if it was just like funnier or slapstickier or whatever kind of like if I wasn't supposed to be paying attention to the themes and stuff but you know it being a Coen Brothers movie I felt like I should be sort of gleaming more off of this and maybe that's my mistake but I don't know I feel like being a Coen Brother movie like you should be able to sort of dig deeper into
1: things and this is difficult for me to do that with. And I feel like there's two other things that I wrote down that I I like parts of that just don't go deep enough. Like, I like when Marlon Wayans is tasked to kill Irma's character, and he can't bring himself to do it because she reminds him of his mother. And I think that that was, like, the way that they're using, like, the sitcom's laugh track that she's watching to, like, comment on what's happening in real time. Like, I think that's really well done, and I think there's a connection there, but, like, they don't explore that further. And to the same point, like, is Hank's acting in like an Edgar Allan Poe story. Like there's like a thing there that like is kind of interesting and they don't go deep like there's all these elements that I really want to grab onto and just they don't flesh out in a way. And I don't know if I'm missing things. I don't know if they're just, if it's, because it's a relatively short movie to have so many different disparate ideas that like all kind of get started and like none really finish up.
0: Yeah, and especially, you know, I mean, when you see someone like Soderbergh do it so seemingly effortlessly with 11 characters and then you come back to this and you're like, well, the Cone should be able to do this sort of standing on their head when I've seen some of their other work. And I mean, especially like their comedy, you know, like briefly mentioned Raising Arizona, a reference that like you know that thing is just like sort of perfectly like on beat and you know i was sort of expecting the same sort of rhythm to this but it just feels like it's offbeat that's what i'm getting at
2: yeah and my primary complaint like i was going to chime in i think i think bob and i could not be more in sync i think marlon wayans is for sure the weakest part of this film but rather than echo that i think that as we've been talking about this is like a heist film right and by by now we've gotten oceans 11 uh, I think by 2004 did we get two Oceans films at least one we certainly as an audience are familiar with heist films and how they work
0: we might have had an Italian job by then we did have an Italian job for sure yep
2: and and because it's the Coen brothers I don't necessarily expect them to dwell on the intricacies of the heist itself because that's not what they do I think that they lengthen scenes in this movie in the wrong places right like none of these scenes like I wrote a note somewhere that like these scenes that seem to go on longer than they should are not scenes Scenes that propel this movie forward. They're always putting character first over their narrative. I, I didn't feel like in many of these scenes that the scenes were broadening my understanding of these characters or making me feel more empathetic or feel the opposite of that. You know, like it felt like they were trying to beef up this little script in ways that just didn't jive for me. And it felt like this, was it 104 minutes long, something like that? It felt like a lot longer than that because they just didn't pick the right moments.
0: One in particular pops out to me is sort of the waste waste of George Wallace in this movie. And there's like a whole sequence where Hanks is hiding from him. And you think like, maybe they got history. Maybe something's going on. They're definitely going to bump into each other later. But like, no, all that scene was really about was everything before he showed up. And it was like Hanks getting to know the lady. And it's like, what is going on? here I, I think i'm with you dan i hear I, what you're saying
2: it's the most hollow coen brothers movie i think for that reason like like you, like you were talking about most Cohen Brothers movies there's a lot you can mine from them here it feels very hollow almost like somebody is trying to parody a Cohen Brothers film there's no real depth to this one in ways that there are in their other films
1: i guess that's a good question like if you didn't know who directed this would you think this is them or would you think that this is a parody of them
2: as somebody who loves their films there are certainly some clear coen brother hallmarks so, you know i think that at the end none of them get the money and they all end up in that garbage barge you know like things like that definitely would tip me off but you're right i don't know just based on some of these scenes especially the moments with marlon wayans i don't know that i would necessarily suspect it's the coen brothers
0: i hear what you mean it does feel like imitation to me
2: it's almost like they're phoning it in here which is disappointing
3: how do you guys feel about the way that hanks does Because that felt like a really, really just like a resolution that didn't sit with me.
1: Well, what I liked about the one part about that I liked was that they set it up from the beginning. Like, I think the first thing that you see in the movie is that gargoyle. They come back to it a couple of times. So like they're setting something up there. But I feel like I wish that there was more meaning.
3: Well, there's also the allusion, the, or the reference back to the Raven, but again, that's it's a reference that rings hollow because I don't think that it's really going much deeper. The way that there's also a reference to the cask of Amontillado that they abandoned, too.
2: I
0: almost thought after it happened, like, oh, maybe the cat should have, like, done something to cause Hanks' death, you know, along the way. I love that damn cat. Yeah, and it, is that Lewin Davis's cat? Like, did it run away and end up here or something? But I agree with that. I was glad, and this is going to sound weird, but I was glad he died. But, like, I almost wanted them to get the money in, like, the first act, and then the rest of the movie be trying to kill the lady and then dying off on them. So, like, I just feel like the core of the film came way too late.
2: I agree with that
0: 100%. Yeah, and so, like, if all that was just pushed up a whole lot, and then Hanks's death wouldn't be so, oh, we forgot to kill Hanks, like, that's how it feels it's like whoops and by the way he's gotta die like then you know if he actually got a chance to have like more of a drawn out death then it definitely would have uh, been way more satisfying
3: and he doesn't die because of any of his vices or anything like all all of the other guys that die die because directly because of something that that they did that relates to one of their flaws right I guess Hanks dies kind of because of the Raven and it's like his his, maybe his literary pretensions kill him but like that seems like such a reach
2: to me Bob thank you for saying that I was just a about to say that. The other deaths in this movie can be attributed to the the bad decisions that those characters made, whereas Hanks' character just seems to be. Uh, an afterthought.
1: One way that I was kind of reading this, I don't know if I was, you're supposed to read the movie this way or not, but like it almost feels like for a moment, like a moment right before Hanks dies, that his plan all along was to kill everyone else off. And it feels like, and that's crazy because it's all basically accidental deaths for the most part. In that regard, it's almost like his smugness, his self satisfaction, whatever, that's what killed him. And like I think it's maybe just like a look on his face. Maybe it's the realization that like, oh, I'm only going to have to, like, I, all of the money is mine. Like the last person i was going to share like split a share with just died and now i'm like you know an even wealthier man I, I don't know but it feels like there's something in that moment where he's like my plan worked to perfection and then bam gargoyle head falls on him and he dies but i don't think that there's anything in the movie that's like set up like we don't see him plotting or trying to like incept people to kill like it's a weird kind of thing that i was trying maybe to ascribe more meaning to than actually is there but also maybe i don't know well, that's the thing. It should have been meaningful, right?
0: Like, and, and it feels like they wanted it to be, and it just didn't. Like, I think I had an issue with that, too, with Catch Me If You Can, where, like, maybe the one false note was, at the end, Hanks is like, you know, I'm a father. And it's like, well, the, you know, if I knew that at the beginning of the movie, then this relationship would make a lot more sense and be maybe <laughs> maybe more, more dramatically fulfilling, too, as opposed to finding that out at the end. Be
1: like, that's why you did it the whole time. Like, it just didn't land with a punch, you know? It just sort of felt like a slap. Yeah. Does anybody else have any other major thoughts about the Lady Killers before you play a couple games?
2: I also thought that, I mean, this came after Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and Oh Brother Where Art Thou was sort of revolutionary in the way that it used digital effects and, you know, post-production and color correction and all that kind of stuff, and I thought that this looked worse than Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and it was a trying to achieve the same thing the way I saw it. Did anybody else pick up on that?
3: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It, it's not like a great looking movie, which is weird for for the Coen brothers who, I don't know if, I, it, it was Roger Deakins a cinematographer on this one?
1: Yeah, he was the DP on this, yes.
3: There's still something really weird about about a Coen Brothers movie that's not beautiful. There is something about that, like, you know, the introductory shot when she's walking up to the police station and the police station is perfectly centered in frame. That's almost like Wes Anderson-y or something like that. But put it next to any of the other Coen Brothers movies and it just, it just isn't as pretty.
2: From, like, from the first shot and the whole opening title sequence, it just the CGI just looked... Awful. Like, I understand what they were trying to do. Like, it almost has kind of a storybook quality to it. You know, when that, that island, that opening shot of the island. So I get it. But like, man, Oh Brother, we're out there. Where Art Thou looks so good. And this looks so terrible.
1: And I wonder if that goes to Bob's point earlier that like this wasn't their vision from the beginning because it, it feels like maybe they just came in. there like instead of having like orchestrating everything to fit a vision, maybe they're just like, well, how do we put our stamp on like something that already
3: exists? They did that with True Grit. True Grit's also a remake and that movie is awesome.
2: But that was theirs from the beginning, right? That production. And the way I look at True Grit is they did more so an adaptation of the novel more than a remake of the original movie. Sure. sure. Yeah so and, and that movie just looks and is so good and and i love it but again i don't think of it as a remake for that reason i think it's more true to the source material this just i would love to know more about this production and if they this was something that they had planned to do from the beginning i don't know
1: i'm looking at wiki right now and like there's not a lot about production like the wiki's Relatively long, but most of its plot, most of its soundtrack, like the actual production side of this, is just like, oh, they used a garbage barge instead of a goods train from the original movie. Like, there's not a lot to actually say. Like the actual making of the movie, like the production of this, is just what they changed in the original. So I don't know. Oh, brother is like a masterpiece. Like that's almost a perfect film right there. That's that's one of my favorite Coen
0: brother movies up top for sure. And then to sort of just hit these depths after, it's just like, ooh, it's a bummer that they like just kind of tripped it feels like they were tripping like over themselves like what do we do next I don't know let's kind of try and let's do a remake it's kind of safe in a way and let's just like infuse it with as much as what we just did as possible. And
2: That's the thing though the Coens don't strike me as filmmakers who would make a movie that they didn't really feel like they had to make you know by this point by 2004 they didn't owe anybody anything they could pick and choose their projects however they wanted so it's really strange to me that they would decide to make this movie and to to have it be so uninspired you know like i can't ima- i can't understand why the, the finished product is this
0: this is making me actually for the first time in a long time want to like scour youtube for interviews that came out during press junkets during this time maybe they're on there just like you, you get a sense of their body language or whatever through what they're saying you know how they're actually feeling or something
3: they're sort of a notoriously tough group of people to read in the press though because they're like real sarcastic and real cryptic
0: Any other thoughts about the Lady Killers. No, my only thing, Joey, is like, we made it. It's not nearly as bad as what I've heard. I'll put it that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is totally watchable.
1: You know, we are not out of the woods yet. There's stuff coming up that I have not seen, but I am worried about, and there's stuff that I have seen and I am worried about, so, you know, there's there's more to be worried about in Hanks and the Memories in the short term. But yeah, we made it through, you know, one day at a time. Just one day at a time, Mike.
3: I would guess that this is mid-level Hanks.
1: Yeah, like, I have this, like, out of the 31 movies that we've watched, I think, so far, like, like they're ranking a letterbox in terms of like my list that doesn't quite make sense I have it 15th in terms of, like, movies that I think showcase him as an actor in the movie, how good the movie is. Like, I think it's an average-ish movie. I mean, he's got some real stinkers, which we talked about. He's got some real great ones. And I feel like there's, like, a whole swath in the middle that includes, like, recent stuff like Road to Perdition, which is, like, there's good stuff about it, but there's also not good stuff about it. So I think it's going to be in the middle. I think you're right, Bob.
2: I kind of agree with you guys. I think the reason I was dumping on it so much is because, you know, it's so easy to, to love the Coen brothers. That by comparison, this one's so much more disappointing. But yeah, you're right. This is not like a horrible movie. I just think it's it's uh, it's a little wonky, uh, subpar for a Coen Brothers film. But you know, certainly plenty uh, enjoyable compared to a lot of the other stuff that came out around this time.
1: Sure. Now, if we imagined for a second that instead of casting Tom Hanks as the good doctor here, the good PhD, if they instead had cast Tom Cruise, do you think Tom Cruise could play the role in the Lady Killers, Mike? I've been saying. Almost every episode of Hanks of the Memories that I think, yes. I don't think, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but it, it'd, be, it'd be weird.
0: This would be, like, less Grossman territory for him, but, like, the whole movie, you know? Yeah. Like, could he, could he? Like, is it in him? Like, I don't think we're ever going to find out. Like, he's never done anything like this, and I don't think he ever is going to do anything like this. So, I don't, I don't think he would. Want to do this? It's weird. That's where I'm. I'm, I can't even decide.
1: I'm curious to know what our guests think. Bob, Dan, any thoughts? Could Tom Cruise play this role? Or if not, as a backup, if you don't think that he could play this role, is there someone else in the movie that he could play?
2: okay so I'm gonna sort of echo what Mike was saying I think if if, if this is pre-tropic thunder I would say no Tropic Thunder is the only movie that would give me any sort of inkling that Tom Cruise could play a character like this so I think he has he, he, he's certainly capable but whether or not he would make a movie like this I don't I don't think he would I would love to see it but I think he could and it would be just as weird if not more so and honestly might benefit the character a little bit by its weirdness. You know, this is a Coen Brothers movie. I always lean into the weird, right? So It just made me think that,
0: like, you know how he probably gets offered everything first, right? So, like, he even probably got offered all of those, like big muscle bound babysitter action movies that like Vin Diesel and everybody else ended up doing like it would be like if he ended up taking those instead of like what he ended up doing you know but I'm sure those scripts like came to him also and everything but it's just a whole genre he's avoided his entire career
3: I could see Cruz playing like a, a lump as sort of a dumb pretty boy Oh, okay. I can do that. I think that would work. He's like shirtless for the whole thing, doing push-ups. You know, like what did Lump do for the entire movie? He hadn't, he had nothing. He didn't do anything. He didn't do one thing.
1: No, he dug and he just didn't play whatever he calls a trombone, but it's not the trombone. I don't remember what he calls it. No, the butt butt sack. sack. The butt Butt sack.
3: sack. (laughs) He's the muscle, right? And and when they're like, oh, who are we going to get to kill uh, the lady? They don't immediately go to the muscle. Like it, it seems obvious to me that he's the one that should do the killing. He's not doing anything else.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but like, what is like? Marlon Wayans isn't doing anything else. He's just the inside man.
3: No, but they, they need him to be the inside man. I mean, yeah. and, and he papers up the the wall as well.
1: I want him to do all of like the, the the housework around my house. Like he does such an immaculate job of like you know with the air dryer, like the hair dryer. Like that's incredible. Like he's great at that.
3: What, what about Tom Cruise in the Marlon Wayans role? And then he's just playing like a you know obviously not a black man, but like a, a Miami douchebag type of guy.
0: What about Chet Hanks as the Marlin? Oh role?
3: fuck! Yes, that. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry for the cutscene. Yeah, that would that would rule.
1: How can we get Colin Hanks in there? How can you? And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I like, I like Chad
2: Hanks in that role. Go ahead. I would love to see Tom Cruise in any Coen Brothers movie just because, you know, I I never would have thought George Clooney would have made such a great Coen Brother player. You know, George Clooney is an A-list movie star who's known for his charisma. But when he does Coen Brother movies, he plays morons. And I think Cruise is certainly capable of playing a dumb, goofy Idiot, and so yeah, I don't. Maybe not this movie, but I would certainly love to see him play a, a character in some Coen Brothers movie at some point. That'd be awesome.
3: Cruz could have also been like Woody Harrelson's role in No Country for Old Men. He would have been great at that. There's lots of stuff in the Coen Brothers catalog that he would I I think he'd fit right in.
1: Yeah, I do wonder though, like, cause what you were saying earlier, Mike, about like could he keep up the less grossman energy for the entire movie? Like if we're talking about this movie or another movie or whatever, there's like two conflicting things here. Like it's it's kind of the ego thing we talked about on Cruise Club, like basically from here on out where we are, like after Rock of Ages, like the last eight years of real life, like he hasn't been a supporting role. He's always been a lead role. So you gotta check that at the door and be able to go like to a supporting role in theory, or what you said about the energy level like his weirdest his most hyperkinetic energy performances of rock of ages and magnolia and tropic thunder they're all five or ten minutes of screen time right so like one of those things has to give right or we're gonna have like the most ongoing persistent hyperkinetic performance that we've ever seen from him which would be yes please let's do that
3: i think if cruz if cruz gives up the ego and starts doing supporting roles like uh like magnolia again i think i think he'd probably win an oscar eventually
1: we talk about a lot on like the different podcasts that we've done about how like Nicolas Cage I mean, he's done it a few times but like instead of being a supporting character in a movie that could earn him an Oscar another Oscar he is an Oscar winner after all he's just being like the leading man in a straight to VOD schlocky movie Keanu after having like basically a career of that has now since kind of deferred and been like weird interesting characters in more interesting things Zac Efron to that point has done the same thing over the last handful of movies too like there's weird trajectories that we're following in these actors and it feels like unfortunately although they're more fun Cruz is in that Cage fold where like he has to be the lead in every movie and yeah they're great movies and like mission impossible fallout and like rogue nation everything like they're they rule but it's like if you really want to go to that next level that we've seen a couple times like in the kubrick movie and in paul thomas anderson or whatever like you need to give up something like see a little bit of control
2: to sort of follow up Joe's point bob you may not have this, but I think on my first appearance on uh, Cruise Club, I don't remember which movie it was, I voiced my suspicion that, you know, 1999 was the best year for Tom Cruise because he allowed himself to be in Magnolia and Eyes Wide Shut. And I think that that was the last great year we'll get from him, possibly because we got to see so much of the real Tom Cruise. I think maybe he tapped into something that was a little more real than he intended, and I think he just retreated from that, and now he's just doing action movies. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case.
3: I think that sounds absolutely right to me.
1: It's a bummer. I mean, you know, it's never too late. All it takes is like, to be in like, I don't know, like a Tarantino movie, or like another, like a Coen Brothers movie, like we've been saying, or like a Safdie Brothers movie, like I don't know, man, like give them uncut gems too. I don't know.
3: To your point about the differences between, for example, Keanu and Nicolas Cage, I think that's not so much a question of artistic choices as it is financial responsibility.
1: Maybe, possibly, but we've also heard from Nicolas Cage, maybe this is just him lying through his teeth, I don't know, but like, it seems like he cannot sit still, he has to be working all the time, and it feels like Keanu is able to, or willing to, or financially able to, because of the Matrix set for life, whatever, that he's willing to wait for more interesting parts whereas Nicolas Cage is like I have six weeks I can't just sit at home let me go shoot like a VOD movie in New Orleans for six weeks I don't know it's a weird thing man it's a very very weird thing I mean I don't
0: think Tom Cruise can stop moving at this point either it's just that he's sort of like now in a certain
1: stratosphere where yeah it seems like he's in a comfort zone where he's making Tom Cruise production
3: I mean he's running right now He's sprinting down my street with a shirt
0: on. <laughs> I, I think what you guys are saying is a really real possibility. Just like he might have seen too much of himself in, in his films and retreated and gotten a little scared. And is just like holding back a little bit. And not even holding back, but like, you know, he's just doing what he wants instead of challenging himself on, on that level. Right. Like now it's more physical for him it seems so
1: we'll see very important follow-up question and i don't know i think the answer might be i don't actually don't know how to phrase the question anymore because i get confused myself because we changed this question is he still America's dad? Is he still America's dad? Yes, because for a while we were asking the question, Bob, does he do something in this movie to set him on the road to becoming America's dad? Because that's like how people see him. But we realized about five or 10 movies ago that, yeah, he's he's already America's dad. Like he's established himself, you know, even in the front half of his career, he's already there. So now is he still America's dad or is he not America's dad? And I feel like he might not be in this movie.
3: Well, he seems more like my dad in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> bad teeth not as smart as he thinks he is
1: well all right that's fair so i'm gonna say no to america but yes to bob
3: yeah tom hanks is my dad
1: (laughs) that could be a good autobiography (laughs) live blog 2 tom hanks is my dad
3: get sued by chet
1: hayes (laughs) (laughs) dan mike any thoughts is he is he still america's dad in
2: this I would say not based on the character, but the effort he put into the performance, absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, this character is unredeemable, you know. Uh, I would not let him near children.
3: (laughs) He does kind of have, like, dad at community theater energy, though. Like, diving into the part, making, you know, wearing fake teeth. He is
0: sort of the dad of the crew, right? Like, I mean, you could say that much, I guess, but all of his
1: kids are, are... Are maniacs so? <laughs> yeah, but this question is not like is he the Dominic Toretto of this movie. It's like is he is he America's dad?
3: Do you guys think that uh, uh, Hanks could play uh, uh, Dominic Toretto? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think he could play a Papa Toretto. I'd like to see that. In oh, a you flash want weapon. either cruz or Hanks? Either one. You just want a Tom playing Papa Toretto.
0: Yeah, or my brother Tom. We'll see. Okay, know. he's not an actor though.
1: So now the final thing we have to do is nominate this for some awards, the Woodies, the Tom Hanks awards at the end of the podcast run. We are going to have people listen to the podcast vote on the best and the worst of Tom Hanks best film, worst film. Again, I don't know that this is either. Is it? And I also don't know that it's best of the worst, most fun, bad film. I don't think this falls there either.
0: No, I mean, we've, you know, it's crazy. We've seen like really bad, bad movies from time to time here on Hanks for the memory none of none of which are like you know his fault or anything like he didn't make them bad but like he was in some really right real clunkers uh, this does not reach those depths
2: but the only potential award i might give this movie because i don't think it deserves best ensemble is hanks for his performance solely that like i think that's the best part of this movie Hanks. well i think that's that's the next thing and i think
1: what i wouldn't say that it's best performance but we have best worst but i think what we have is most wasted hanks performance and i think that's like what we've been getting at because like, he's great in this movie supported or propped up by almost literally nothing else
2: yeah, yeah, I would agree with that.
1: So Dan says he doesn't think it's best ensemble. Do we think best ensemble or best Hanks actor, male or female? Is there anybody in here or the crew as a whole? Do you want to say Irma?
2: She's great with what she's got to work
1: with for sure. She's great. I'd put her on there. I mean, again, like I, I feel like she kind of
0: gets a little wasted, you know, towards the middle of this movie. Like she could have been way more uh, sort of intricate, like bumping into them, doing their work, and having more of what I,
1: one-on-one interactions with everybody and stuff. She plays Marva Munson. That's the character's name. All right, let's see here. What else? What else? What else? Best fight? I don't think he really gets into a fight, does he? Like a fist fight?
0: No.
3: no.
1: Best dance scene? No. Best party scene? No. Best Hank's outfit wardrobe? Yes? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah. He's got, he's also got sort of like a Mark Twain thing happening. Like, I don't know what it is about Southern gentlemen that love to deck themselves out in ivory, but.
1: Then I'm going to say Best Death gargoyled onto Garbage Barge for sure.
0: Because it's like our only death, I think, so far.
1: Oh, Private Ryan. We No, we've had five deaths. Oh, we've had that many? Well, we had a fake death in Castaway. He had a funeral that we did not see. He dies in Philadelphia, the most somber death of all. He gets gunned down a road to perdition, and he gets shot and killed in Saving Private Ryan. Okay, that's right. Uh, best line or best freakout? There is that, you know, she's a more formidable antagonist than we anticipate, but I don't know if that's necessarily one of his best, all-time best lines. Is there anything that he says in this movie, all-time great best
2: line or best freakout? Nothing that
3: sticks out to me.
2: He's got such flowery language, but n- yeah, none of it stands It No particular line stands out among the rest as, you know, classic.
0: Yeah, it's also flowery that like... Right, yep. It gets kind of lost in there.
1: Then there's no Hank's love story, so the only other category that we have here is best soundtrack, theme, score. Is this movie worthy of the best? And I don't know. I don't think that it is.
3: Oh, I thought the soundtrack was great. Carter Burwell. I like the music, but I don't know. I, I I don't know how to compare it to the his other his other movies.
1: This is a very difficult category because like we we're lumping so
2: many things in here. I would say that you know Carter Burwell's score is comparable to Roger Deakins cinematography here. It's not bad, but it like doesn't stand out to me among the best work they've done.
1: Mike, what That's about fair. you? You're kind of the deciding vote here.
0: No, I still got the "Catch Me If You Can" theme stuck in my head. So like, it's got a you know what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't really stack up
1: been some other ways to other things, too. I
3: well, you're, like. you're also not touching that dragnet rap.
1: I, I was just actually <laughs> looking at the City of Crime on here. I was going to say, you know, you want, if you want something new stuck in your head, just look at City of Crime or That Thing You Do, or just Jesse's Song from Toy Story 2 if you just want to sob uncontrollably for a while. So four nominees, Most Wasted Performance, Best Outfit Wardrobe, Best Death, and Best Non-Hanks Actor Female for Irma P. Hall as Marva Munson.
3: If this one's Best Death, I will riot.
1: It's only on there because there's like so few, I think, right now. Right? Like in a vacuum, is my favorite death so far. But like in terms of meaning overall, I don't, I don't think that it is. But like, how do you compare that to like a fake death in Castaway, him dying from a complication from AIDS in Philadelphia, and then getting shot twice? I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so Mike, well, next week on Cruise Club, you and I are talking about Oblivion, the Tom Cruise sci-fi film. That's a good one. I'm very excited to see that one again. And then in two weeks, a movie that I have not seen here on hanks the memories we've got the terminal where he falls in love at an airport is that what that's about
0: is that another spielberg movie i think yes it is oh we forgot it that was a spielberg oh man i totally forgot about this movie oh yikes right. at least the Tooch will be loose again stanley tucci returns so.
1: very exciting question mark i guess but yeah so we've got oblivion next week and then in two weeks right back here on the terminal but dan bob thank you both so much for joining us dan is there anywhere that people if you want people to find you online is there that any, anywhere that you want people to go
2: predominantly on twitter at dan cologne d-a-n-c-o-l-o-n i'm on letterboxd same username if anyone's interested in what i have to say about certain uh movies but uh, yeah that's pretty much it
1: and you're on uh, mike's podcast Third time to charm seemingly every month
2: that's what it seems like these days
1: <laughs> and bob anywhere online that you want people to find you
2: Nah, uh, nah, it's okay
1: cool all right well you can go people can go listen to tub talk
3: yeah don't plug tub talk yeah go listen to tub talk
1: shout out thrashy. Uh, But for all things, Hanks for the memories, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclub pod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Come back next week on our Cruise Club feed for Oblivion and come back here two weeks for The Terminal. Those sound very similar, I think, in title. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm conflating things, but I know that they are wildly different movies, but Oblivion and The Terminal. You find The Terminal and Oblivion. I don't know. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Dan Colon and Bob Fisher. And we'll see you next time right here on Hanks for the Memories.
0: I just love, love, love the works of Mr. Edgar Allan Poe.